0: <laughs> Every
1: sports fan has an opinion. Well, these are ours. Ours. Welcome to Brock and Pep's Unsportsmanlike Convo. And here are your hosts, Brock Fleming and Pep Cariati.
0: What up, what up, what up? Yo, reboy. is June 10th. What day is it, Pep?
1: It is game day, and it is game five, and we're recording live from the RA Center Fieldhouse. They've been gracious enough to allow us to set up shop. And
0: Brock, you have set up shop, my friend. We have. This is the first time we've taken it mobile, and uh, hey, we're winging it. Let's see what happens.
1: It's pretty cool. We're getting all kinds of looks. Um, you know, people are curious as to what we're up to, and, uh, you know, we encourage anybody listening, well, you're not listening live, but uh, we've posted on Facebook about you guys to come down and and join us, and if you want to have a shot at, uh, you know, maybe answering a question or two, now's the time to come. I know uh, Curtis Fleming is on his way, and he'll have uh, some insight on what he thinks uh, the outcome will be,
0: but... I think the stairs we're getting is a combination of the amount of wires that are around here, <laughs> the Ryan gingers, yeah. the way we're sitting because we're facing everybody. Oh, yeah, <laughs> that's and, true. And uh, I think there's a couple of kids that are scared I'm going to go over and eat their pizza because it looks <laughs> delicious. I'm starving. Um, yeah, so that will be uh, first break will be pizza. Oh, yeah. That being said, $4 bar rails uh, is a good way to start. You know, I got to give it up to the RA
1: center, all jokes aside. Uh I've been playing slow pitch softball here for 20 years and every summer they host us and they graciously put up with our chaos and, you know, shenanigans with our team. So, when I called them earlier this afternoon, they were quick to say, "Absolutely come on down, guys. Um, good folks, good drinks, cheap drinks, and uh yeah, very very
0: kind of them to let us
1: uh, hang out here, bud."
0: Well, uh, hopefully, more and more people show up. Uh, the more, the merrier. This is, has the potential of being a historic evening, and I myself am pumped up for it.
1: It's, uh, one, I think, it's once in a lifetime, once in a generation. You know, whether Kawhi comes back or not next year, and we'll talk a little bit about that. Mm-hmm. You know, this is we have to seize the moment. We're up three one, and I certainly think they're going to win it tonight, but. Before we get into that as well, even if we don't, there's going to be two other opportunities, one away and then one at home again in a Game 7. And I, I certainly hope it doesn't get to a Game 7, but we have to seize this opportunity. I, I can, the, the tension around the city in Ottawa, let alone Toronto, is absolutely insane. You can cut the tension with a knife. I, I don't know what your workplace was like, Brock, but uh, the uh, Ottawa Hospital, people were walking around with Raptors jerseys who I would never think— that particular individual was a basketball fan, let alone a Raptor fan. So it was pretty cool in this city.
0: Yeah, uh, my workplace today was my living room. So um, (laughs) it was a work from home. uh, But the excitement I had, so before coming (laughs) out here, I said, oh, I better get, I was like, maybe I can find a Raptor shirt or something like that. My Vince Carter jersey fell apart, because I used to wear it so much. Uh, But I had ran into uh, Sportcheck to try and find a hat and one of my buddies is a manager there. And I said, that Chris, I said, I need to get a hat. Like, uh, we're going to the RA Center, record. I want to have some Raptors gear. And he like, says, we got nothing. So what do you mean you got nothing? Like, how is that possible? He's like, we shipped everything. So SportCheck shipped everything outside of Toronto. Every store outside of Toronto that had Raptors gear, shipped it to Toronto. And he said, after the first day, they were already calling back saying, do you have anything else? We need more. Wow.
1: Incredible. And that and that's a telling sign that, you know, uh, the Raptors are healthy. They're going to be healthy economically. What this does for the community, let alone the actual team, in terms of profiting, a lot of money is being funneled in through the city of Toronto right now. I mean, I have friends right there currently who are uh, – they were up in Toronto on business, but they're staying an extra day to watch the Raptors. So that's extra business generated into the city, which means the Raptors are going to be nice and healthy for the next few years to pay some uh, – potential pending free agents to come to town. <coughs> talking to you, Kevin Durant.
0: We're talking to Kevin Durant. Let's talk to Kawhi Leonard first.
1: <laughs> That's a great point. Anyway, we're gonna ba-
0: we'll get to that after. Yeah. Let's not dive into that too, too quickly. Yeah. Um, so with this new, not even new, but with the excitement around the Raptors, um, I'm going to ask you a question uh, in terms of bandwagon jumpers. So the reason I bring this up is um, there's a couple comments on Facebook from acquaintances who are uh, basketball fans. And they made comments about congratulations to the real Raptors fans um, on the success, but then kind of trashed, quote-unquote, bandwagon jumpers. And it started quite the thread in terms of uh, people questioning, well, How do you determine uh, a bandwagon jumper from a fan? How do you determine, you know, because somebody didn't put a comment about the Raptors during the season that they're not a real fan, how many games you have to watch to be a real fan, all this kind of stuff. And I wanted to get your take. I have my own thoughts, but I want to take your take on this term of bandwagon jumpers.
1: Uh, The only way I I can make any comparison, Brock, is if I compare it to... And you, as you all know, I'm a huge Pittsburgh Steelers fan. If the Pittsburgh Steelers are, are a game away from the Super Bowl and all of a sudden my Facebook is inundated with Pittsburgh Steelers comments and go Steelers and the, and the city's got Steeler fever, how am I going to react to that? And that's the only way I can, I can make any sense of this. And how I'm going to react is the more the merrier. Like, exactly. l- you know, let's get, let's get on this show. You know, this is, again, once in a generation— Sure, we have f- my mother's a fan. My mother was talking about the Raptors this weekend. Does that make her a bandwagon fan? I mean, you know, it, yeah. it's, it's drawing attention and drawing fandom from people you'd never expect it to drop from. And, yeah, maybe maybe guys were upset about the DeRozan trade, now they're, now they're hopping back on the bandwagon. Does it doesn't matter at this point? The energy, the, the sense of synergy that this cu- entire country is feeling right now I don't care about bandwagon. If it's midseason, maybe we can have a, a, a normal, logical conversation about bandwagon fans. If it's midseason and all of a sudden people are rooting for them because they're winning, okay, that would be a good time to have that conversation. But we're talking playoffs, a game away from the championship, and we're talking about bandwagon fans. Is that what your focus is on, guys? Maybe you're the bandwagon jumper.
0: Yeah, and I totally agree with you. I think from a standpoint, so you're a Steeler fan. I'm a big Florida Gator fan. There's not a whole lot of Florida Gator fans here in Ottawa. Um, but when I see somebody with a Florida Gator hat on or shirt, the first thing I say is like, hey, love the hat, love the shirt, you know, yeah, like, right? let's support the team. When the, you know, the Ottawa Senators were in that playoff run in 07, there were, you know, I guess Hab fans, there were guys that, that cheered on different teams who were jumping on the Ottawa bandwagon Because it's exciting. You want to be part of that. I don't understand why people make a big deal about it. Of saying, well, this guy wasn't a real fan, so shun him. You know what I mean? Like, you're not part of the party. I want more people. There's nothing more exciting than being able to celebrate something you love with a bunch of people. That's why people sleep in the streets for four days to watch the Raptors outside of the stadium with thousands of fans. Are they checking their credentials to say, hey, did you see uh, uh, Game 16 there versus the Minnesota Timberwolves back in – Fuck. who cares?
1: Yeah, no, who cares? You're here to
0: celebrate. We want a party atmosphere. Not only are you bringing – maybe those are fans for life. So a fan for life now buys shirts, hats. A fan for life now buys tickets. A fan for life now funds your push to get Kawhi Leonard to stay. Like, they're helping your brand. You're helping your team. Don't shun them for being bandwagon jumpers. Now, I think, you know, in defense, I think the, the, and I'm not defending him too much, but the comment is from a guy who I don't think is a Raptors fan necessarily either. So I think maybe he has that um, uh, distaste, I guess, because he doesn't want the Raptors to win, maybe. But, you know, the majority of our teams, the Steelers, you were a Steelers fan. Why? Because at one point they were successful when you were a kid. You jumped on the bandwagon and stayed for life. Yeah, that's exactly it. You know, and I, and my, loyalty
1: to the Pittsburgh Steelers is in it stems from my home my family it draws I draw that fandom from my brother and it's something that I cherish and I don't care if someone cheers for them or not it's it's who I am it's what I believe in and you know that's a whole other again that's a whole other podcast but I right. feel the same way about the Raptors like there's people who live and die by how the Raptors do in Toronto there are Raptor fans outside of Toronto who live and die by how they do this, the off season isn't as long as a football offseason, but it's still long enough to be like, damn it, we were, we were there. Right. So to, the fact that we've got all these new fans, and, and basketball in Canada has suddenly had a shot in the arm
0: That's what I want to talk about. Go.
1: Is exactly what this country needs. And there we you. have the Toronto Raptors to thank for that. And the way, the way they've represented a, a country, and how some of those guys, there's no Canadians on the team, except for Chris Boucher. There's no Canadians on the team, but they've embraced the country, the country spirit. You lost
0: me with Chris Boucher.
1: Oh, he doesn't play, but right, he's the tall, lanky number twenty-five. He he gets seldom does he get uh, used, but when he does come on the court, it's a huge thing. He's a Canadian kid. He had a the nine hundred five is the Raptors uh, D League affiliate, and he he's had a good career there. But he's a young guy, very skinny. But everybody else on the team has embraced Canada, and uh, you know it. Like, Serge Baca, his home country is rooting for the Raptors. That, it, it's, almost, it's almost gone global, the Raptor fandom. And there's no other team in the NBA, Brock, that has this level of fandomonium. None. None. Name me another team that has this level of uh, universal fandom.
0: I don't think you can. Uh, we have one team in a country supporting it. There is nothing else. So I don't think there's – you just can't match it. There's just nobody – at least in the NBA, you can't match it. Some of the historic teams, let's say, you know, I would reach out for, like, the Yankees maybe, those kind of things that yeah. are, um, you know, generational and have spread, and then they've kind of popularized with uh, different artists and whatnot promoting their logo. Yeah, that's stuff. a good point, actually. But, again, you know, that's getting off topic a little bit, but within the NBA, there is nothing that can touch that. Um, I actually had uh, an old Colgate uh, uh, teammate who would uh, – so I'm, in a, I'm, in, I'm watching the game four in a hotel in Syracuse with uh, a few of the athletes I coach were ready for the Orange Men football camp the next day. So we're in the hotel watching the game, and I'm going through Facebook, and one of my old teammates puts on – says, uh, uh, this is when the Golden State was up by about 15, and they're like, the Warriors are just playing with the Raptors. He's like, and the North think they have a chance. So I don't say anything because we're down 15, and I'm like, oh, God, I hope he's not right. As soon as they get the the game finishes, I don't even, like, jinx it being up 6 or 8 at the time, whatever. I don't take any chances, and I look for the, the coat, and it's gone. So I post something, and I call him out. And I said, hey, conveniently, it looks like you deleted that post that said, you know, you thought that they were just playing with us, blah, blah, blah. I said, really smart move on your part. And he, he kind of laughed. He's like, yeah, I pulled it down. And uh, he's like, but I still think they're going to win it. And he's like, I'll take Golden State over Canada. Basically, uh, Canada. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, this guy's a Trump supporter, too. So gets me kind of fired up. Sure. I was really hoping the Blues would have won last night so that I could have kind of used those rosters. Canada, U.S.? Is, yeah. It's as it th- is, I'm, I'm keeping my mouth shut. Yeah. <laughs> but. Uh, Smart move. Anyway, there's very few things in this world that will fire me up as much as trying to defend Canada. And uh, I found myself heated over it. And uh, anyway, I'm really hoping that the Raptors can close it out tonight because regardless, we have two more chances. That's fine. Take it from the Blues and what they, you know, they got to a game seven. I don't think it fares too well for them. Just you got a team that's down. You got to take advantage of it. You got to have the killer instinct. Absolutely. And I think Kawhi has that, and I think his demeanor – is rubbing off on the whole team.
1: Oh, no doubt about it, Brock. And uh, just to, to put a, maybe a, an exclamation mark on what we were just talking about, you know, do you think Masai Ujiri signed Jeremy Lin because he needed a backup point guard? No. He signed Jeremy Lin because he knew the team that he assembled was going to make it to the finals. And he knew that having somebody of Jeremy Asian Lin's descent? descent... Yeah, totally. Yeah. Somebody who's a, a, a fantastic influence in the asian community not only is he a a great player because he was i mean he is he's a little older now but he had his i think he had his run with the knicks he's going to be a a bit of a journeyman the rest of his career but he he's represented the nba so well arguably linsanity a few years ago when he was with the knicks was as as exciting as yao ming's um tenure
0: in houston was it not uh, Lynn Sanity, yeah, and the, reason, the only reason Lynn Sanity kind of passed me by a little bit more was because that was right around the Tebow Mania. Oh, 2012? It was in that area, so yeah, I was, was full on board with Tebow Mania.
1: Oh, oh, yeah, actually, now, <laughs> now that I recall, yes, because uh, Tebow beat my Steelers. Oh, and was it, it? It, Yeah, yeah, it yeah. was 2012, yes. But Lynn, Jeremy Lynn is an amazing representative of the Asian community. He's also a very good basketball player, but he's not going to see the floor. Huge Asian market, though. Oh my goodness. Uh, Huge. A, a kid flew from China. I don't know how far of a flight that is to Canada. I've never been to Asia before, but uh
0: he flew just to, just to watch game the last game in Toronto, game 3 I guess. Oh, it's pretty far cuz I remember Grade my two? parents used to tell me if I dug any further in the backyard I'd end up in China. So I think that's <laughs> okay. the other side of the world. Oh, <laughs> anyway, I love that.
1: I love you. You're, I love your parents. <laughs> I love your folks, I tell you. So I'm excited about, and I, I don't want to get too uh, too sentimental about the Raptors and you know them being a Canadian team and all that. Basketball is the only sport where I have two favorite teams. Did you know that? The only one? It's the only sport that I have two favorite teams. Every other professional sport, CFL, NFL, really? pro baseball, and hockey, I only have one team I root for. But in basketball, I root equally for the Lakers because I grew up a Magic Johnson fan and the Raptors. And uh, it's because Canada was, has been so good to my family, we emigrated here. My mother started a family, raised us all in Canada with Canadian values. Even though we're Lebanese descent, I'm Canadian through and through. So it's for me, it's like a no-brainer to not, to not uh, root for an American team in this finals. And I'm rooting for Toronto. I'm rooting for Canada. And we're going to dive into uh, why I'm rooting for them in terms of their, their, uh, their actual um, chances of winning the NBA finals tonight. And uh, what do you think, Brock? about the Raptors ending it tonight? What is your, what is your gut feel? Do you think they ended tonight with Kevin Durant being announced as uh, healthy and in the starting lineup?
0: All right. Um, that's, a, that's a deep question. We're going to take a break, and we're going to come back, and we're going to address that. Before we take a break, I'm going to give a real quick shout-out yes. to a Dr. Gary Miller. Garfield. Uh, Garfield. My man. Give me a call. Actually, ended up uh, taking Curse and I to this uh, um, event. It was called Ringside for the Boys and Girls Club. Oh, I saw you post about that, yeah. Yeah. Uh, really amazing event. Huge turnout. Uh, Sugar Shane Mosley was there. Daniel Elverson sponsored a big chunk of it. Um, yeah, you know, uh, Gary got some tickets through uh, CIBC's investment one um, and uh, gave me a buzz. Phenomenal time, phenomenal event. So shout out to him. Shout out for the cause too. It was unfortunate. It was actually the first time I'd been there, and it ends up being that's the last time. So they'd been 25 years, and some big names up there uh, who had showed up for as being the uh, uh, the guest of honor. Um, but unfortunately, it's the last it's the last year. Hopefully, somebody po- takes it over and organizes it. But it was a really wonderfully run uh, event, and uh, Curtis. Paid thirty two hundred bucks. Yeah, I, you know what? I was
1: just gonna say, shout out to you and your bro, man. I like I know a lot of dads. Okay, um, we're in our forties now. Most of my friends have children, and I've seen good dads and I've seen great dads. And you and your bro are both great dads. And the fact that you take your kids to these events, or you if you don't take your kids to types of these types of events, you're, you're at least attending them. And the fact that your bro drops thirty two hundred bucks on tickets that he can't even use, right? Um, to raise money for a charity, uh, is pretty incredible and speaks volumes of the Fleming family.
0: And uh, well, we you know, it's pretty that. cool, man. As, pretty cool. As far as we're all concerned, you're part of the Fleming family anyway. So, yes, stop guy. giving yourself kudos. Yes, guy. Uh-huh. And, uh And for anybody who knows Curtis, uh, check out his Facebook page because he's trying to sell that uh, package because he, he sold can't him. use it. Oh, I hope he did. Yeah, there, it's yeah. a great deal. Yeah. it was supposed to be a starting bid of five thousand. Yeah, and nobody was bidding, and then it went down to three, and he's like, "The hell with it. I'm gonna." take a shot on this and then he was yep. like oh the dates are like next month i got blues fest passes anyway yada, I think he's yada. got
1: uh carmen hetherington has bought one ticket and date your buddy dave uh, i'll Possibly? believe it when
0: i see it okay okay okay. Uh, i don't see carmen and dave going to uh, calgary together, together? so the to stampede I think, uh, yeah i think uh, carmen will have to find another part of it yeah that. i don't
1: know if carmen's a cowboy but uh, <laughs> you know carmen if you are a cowboy and you're listening buddy um I I don't
0: think you are, but what do I know? He's about as country as the guy who sings that Old Town Road song (laughs) (laughs) who wears cowboy boots about eight sizes too big. Who's the cowboy in that song? Is it Billy Ray Cyrus? Oh, yeah. The remix with Billy Ray. Wow. All right. And uh, the last thing I want to point out before we start getting into real stuff, if anybody who watched the RBC Open, Rory McIlroy dominated. And not only did he dominate, but he celebrated with his Kyle Lowry jersey on. Yep. And the last thing he said to the crowd after his whole thing, he yelled out, Raptors, Raptors in five, five, baby. And took off. Crowd went berserk. Yeah. Anyway, I hope we see him somewhere in the crowd tonight. Uh, anyway, I love Congratulations, it. Congratulations, Rory. I love it. Uh, Rory, the biggest bandwagon jumper, maybe? Anyway, <laughs> super <laughs> uh, pumped that uh, he's there. Go. All right, we'll be right back, and we'll dive into the game five. Five. <laughs> All right, and we are back We are back So, Pierre Yes Your question is Repeat it for me
1: I'm already in a ride Do you think tonight the Raptors ended Is basically what I was getting at Do you think tonight the Raptors Put a nice, beautiful red bow On this series and ended tonight Do you think they have that in them Despite the fact that the Warriors have announced That
0: Kevin Durant will start Uh... I don't know if it's the superstition in me or not, um, but I always hate to feel like I'm I'm, I'm saying, yes, this team is going to win, because I feel like I'm setting myself up for disappointment. Um, I really hope that the Raptors come out with that urgency, like we talked about, with that um, killer instinct. Um, I think the fans are going to be behind them. And really pumping them up for the first little bit. So it's going to be a matter of keeping their emotions in check. um, Not getting too hyper when they're shooting. Um, You know, again, keep that even keel. I think if they do that, they can. The, The Kevin Durant aspect, I'm extremely interested to see how this goes. Because I was looking for footage on him in practice. Something to give me an idea of what he looked like. I saw nothing. So I have no clue as to how he's going to come out and play. The fact that he was only cleared for practice this weekend to me says he's not ready to come back. that he's very much pushing a return to try and spark something, which I fully give him credit for, because you know that's what a, a teammate does. Um, you know, do I think that there's also an aspect of him really wanting to come back and Uh, and win and maybe use that as a bit of a bargaining chip in terms of like, hey, check it out. You guys were down 3-1 when I was gone. I come back in and we, you know, come back to win or whatever. I think there's an aspect there too. Um, But for the actual game plan, I feel like Kevin Durant coming back is actually going to hurt Golden State. That's my feeling. And I think he... Will be able to shoot fine, but I don't think he's going to be able to run that like globetrotter type pick and roll oh, yeah. stuff that Steph and-, and Clay do very well. Yeah. He's not going to be able to fit into that. Uh, he's not going to have that step. Yeah. So that's kind of out. So do they do these clear outs for him to go one on one? I don't, th- if he's not 100%, I don't know if he's able to do that. Um, I mean, he's important. He's going to take a lot of attention. I get it. But. I think the Raptors match up pretty well with him and with the other guys. So I think, I don't know. I, I think he comes back. I think he plays. Um, but ultimately, I think it's the Raptors who will dictate whether or not they win this game or lose this game. It's if they shoot, if they run their, their offense and defense properly. I think it's really in their, in their, their hands.
1: Now you made some excellent points, especially about Durant coming back and uh, their inability to run that sort of globetrotter offense where the ball whistles around. Uh, What he does provide is outside shooting, even if he doesn't have the mobility. Mm -hmm. We saw that with Klay Thompson last game. Clearly, he was hampered by a hamstring. Klay Thompson is much more aggressive than he showed last game. You know, the Warriors came out. It was 25 to 12, and the Raptors took their best punch. They weathered the storm. They ended up, I think it was 20, sorry, it was 23 to 12, they ended up finishing the quarter 23-17. to 17. And so they took the Warriors' best punch, and then they kicked their ass for three straight quarters. Like, literally, it was an ass-kicking. So Durant coming back, in my eyes, is much more of a morale boost than it is an actual player boost because, like we discussed on our last podcast about, you know, um, playing with a calf injury, mm-hmm. it's debilitating. It's debilitating in any sport. Mm-hmm. It's ten times worse in basketball. Because you have to jump, you have to cut, you have to move. Uh, Basketball is all about change of pace. Durant's whole game is change of pace, running up the floor. The fact that he's playing on one leg, which I suspect he is, may not announce it, we're never going to hear it from the Warriors. They're certainly not going to release any medical stuff to the media. He's playing on one leg tonight. Is he a hero? Is he going to come out like Willis fucking Reed in the 70s and uh, and help the Knicks win the championship? I, I don't think we're going to see that tonight. I think we're going to see a guy coming out almost as a figurehead to get the morale of the Golden State Warriors up because right now they're down. They got their ass kicked at home twice. Mm-hmm. Okay? And you could see the embarrassment on... I, I, this is... Um, this, I got to tell you, the look on Curry and Thompson's face when... They were losing and looking around their, their crowd and they're looking around and seeing, a, you know, a very, dare I say, white privileged crowd, slightly embarrassed. They've got Draymond Green and his antics and Cousin and his antics. You've got a really weird looking crowd who's not really into the vibe of the game. And then you've got the Raptors crowd, arguably the most diverse in the NBA outside from the Knicks. And they're winning, and they're a team, and they're a unit, and there's no animosity. Brock, I tell you, there's a lot to be said for a team that's together versus a team that's a bunch of individuals like the Warriors have been this year. And when they signed DeMarcus Cousins, they sealed their fate in terms of the individual play. He's a He's a mess. He's an absolute mess. What, what's your take on Cousins and Green and their antics on the floor, and how does that help them in this, in this final? Or,
0: or it actually hurts them, but how does it help them? Um, they draw fouls. Cousins was really good at drawing fouls that first game. Just to uh, add on to that last comment you made about their body language. Yeah. There was a play last game where it was in the fourth. You know, Golden State was trying to make a stop. They were being really aggressive. Um, I forget who had the ball. But Steph had the corner and came out to challenge the ball. It was popped to the corner, hit a three. And Clay Thompson's body language, like he legitimately dropped his head and kind of like looked at Steph like, what are you doing? That's your guy. Why are you coming off? We had this taken care of kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and I was, I said, that was the biggest telling point for me from a championship team who's been there before. They know what it takes. And this is, you know, this isn't Draymond Green being a baby. This is Klay Thompson who's fighting through stuff, who's looking at their superstar. Yeah. in disappointment, and it was almost at that second. I mean, at that particular moment, I knew uh, we got him. Game four was over. You know, they were done at that point. Yeah. Can they bounce back? Does Durant bring that extra fire into them now? As Pierre was talking the last uh, couple minutes. On the uh, TV behind us, they were showing Kevin Durant warming up, shooting, and the crowd was booing and yaying every time that he missed a shot. <laughs> it's going to um, be a long night, KD. Yeah. they didn't. All they were showing was shooting. I didn't see any movement yet. So, again, I don't know how that's going to play in. Anyway, Cousins and, and Draymond Green, you already know my feelings on Draymond Green. I, I don't even want to give him any time on this <laughs> podcast. I, that, that's how much he irks me. I know. Um, Cousins is kind of in the same boat for me. Not quite as bad. And actually, his first game back, I thought he played fairly well, which added to the irritation. Uh, but the... The, the way they draw fouls and kind of throw their body and, and whatnot was, ah, uh, shoot. For those who listen to the podcast, I seem to say whatnot a lot. So that's a drinking game. So if I say whatnot, <laughs> you got to drink. Anyway, I'm working on that. Anyway, Cousins is very good at taking fouls and drawing fouls. I think the, the, the refs have kind of caught on a little bit. So I think last game, last game, I felt the refs let a lot of stuff go. They were just letting them play. And I got to say, I liked it. As much as I, there's some calls on Toronto, I'm like, that's a foul. I like that they let him play, and Toronto adapted, and uh, I mean, Van Fleet lost teeth. You, you know, know my, my,
1: take on, my take on Cousins is that he led the NBA in uh, technical fouls the three or four years he was in Sacramento. The last three or four years he was in Sacramento. And then you've got Draymond Green, who leads the NBA in technical fouls every single year. You got him on the same team. And there were a lot of arguments, certainly on the pep talk page, about well, you know, you're getting a you're getting a an unselfish center who likes to shoot the ball and he's going to fit the Warriors' offense and all this other mumbo jumbo. Look, you get a character a questionable character guy and you put him on a championship team, and yeah, maybe he signed for the veterans' Union, but you're what are you doing to the team chemistry? Right. You know, and that's what they've they've kind of fouled up the team chemistry. They're better off with a center like Javale McGee who doesn't need the ball. Just gets rebounds and dunks the ball. Doesn't need the ball. They were better off with him than they are with DeMarcus Cousins, who needs points, who needs touches. And DeMarcus Cousins is out of shape. He's coming off a major injury. He just came off another major injury, and now he's grumpy. And you could tell he's starting to get agitated. Uh, He got a tee last game, and him and Draymond Green are, are a bad fit together. My my fear with Dur- Duran is this. There aren't many 6'10 guys in the NBA that can shoot threes like quite like him. So how are we going to match up with him? Who's going to guard him? Do you start a backup? Do you put Siakam on him? If you put Siakam on him, who's going to guard Thompson? So he does provide some matchup problems even if he's playing on one leg. So that's my concern. It's a legitimate concern. And if the Warriors win tonight, and like you said, does he come back and be a hero? Do they win three in a row and he ends up being the hero and... You know, and uh, all is well in Golden State, and he re-signs with them. I mean, tonight is going to be a huge night
0: because go. You, I don't want to go back to Golden State with Durant in the lineup. No, and he just took an alley oop there and warm up and seemed to get up fairly. I mean, he's six ten, so he doesn't have to go up too hard, but um, he did jump again. You know, that's one step, so that's a that's better than I was kind of hoping he would be. Um, but that's the thing with Golden State versus Toronto in terms of a team. Setup is that Golden State is a team made up of people who need to get the ball. Toronto is a team where they have guys that can be clutch when they need to, but guys who know their roles. And, you know, they're, uh, uh, if you get a pass, you pass that sucker back to one of the guys who will shoot. Yeah. And they're fine with that. There's no, you don't have to make everybody happy in no. Toronto. Where Golden State, I think you just, you got too many guys that are. Uh, that need the ball and especially that they need a ball to have a flow van fleet doesn't need a flow doesn't need a ball no. just get him on the court give him a ball he lights it up right away there's no warm-up there's no like i need to get into the game coach name me one guy in the toronto raptors
1: who's not named Kawhi leonard who knows if we're in trouble and if we're all cold we got to get the ball to Kawhi leonard nobody on that team no- understands that better than uh, everybody on the team they understand
0: the ball needs to get to Kawhi when everyone else is cold. But the other thing is that Kawhi, from everything I've watched, I always like he kind of like lurks in the w- in the weeds. Oh yeah. So he's just for the first quarter, okay. Second quarter, he sort of feels the game out. He lets his guys get warm, get shooting. And if they are not doing it, then he starts to command the ball a little bit more and say, "Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna force this." But the games where we were dominating, we had one by like twenty. It was one of his lowest
1: point
0: or of the playoffs, and that's because he didn't need to do anything. So he's not a guy that says, hey, if we're winning big, I want the ball because I want to keep putting points up. I want to pad my stats. He's about getting the job done, winning a game. He doesn't care how it does. The guy's rebounds are what's been the biggest aspect that's impressed me. When we need a rebound, when we need to get that ball, whatever, who's there? Kawhi. Kawhi Leonard. Oh, yeah, no doubt. He's, he's
1: the best rebounding guard in the NBA. Uh, he's built like a shit brick house, FYI. His shoulders are huge. He keeps himself in phenomenal upper body shape. Like He's a strong man. If you watch him drive to the basket, he sheds guys off with his shoulders. There's, there are very few people. He, li- he, he looks for the contact. Whereas DeMar DeRozan, uh, ga- his game was predicated on you either know, the, uh, the, the jumper or he, when he gets to the hoop, sort of a clear path layup. Very different players, no slight to DeMar DeRozan, but Kawhi Leonard is on an entirely other planet, and he made this, the Spurs who they were the last four years. That's no, no offense to, uh, to Manu Ginobili, no offense to Tony Parker, no offense to LaMarcus Aldridge, and certainly no offense to Greg Popovich, one of the best coaches in the NBA, but Kawhi Leonard, that was a big boo-boo to piss him off, and they pissed him off to the point where he demanded a trade. So uh, uh, Toronto is his city. Canada is his country, and every business in Toronto has offered him free food. There's a condo unit that's offered him a free penthouse. Uh, it's his country, man. A I business see. offered to pay his salary. Did you read that story?
0: I think I shared it on our, our thing. About they, the, they, it was literally a video depicting how and why this was a benefit to Kawhi Leonard We are going to give you, you have a five year salary, you know, max salary. You get that a little bit every year. He's like, We'll give you the majority up front. What do you do with that? You can invest it, you can turn it into something else, you could buy stuff. Like he is selling it 100% is fantastic. That's unprecedented.
1: I've never heard that in my entire life. I don't think anybody's ever offered Michael Jordan a a salary to subsidize his salary. Right. Or I don't doubt LeBron James has had someone say, Hey, we'll give you what the Cleveland Cavaliers are giving you if you stay. I highly doubt that. What we're witnessing is unprecedented. So, Kawhi, this is your country, pal. Uh, I highly recommend you stay. The Raptors are going to be a little bit older next year. They may have to look at replacing some guys, but as long as you're the centerpiece and Siakam is up and coming and you've got Danny Green, your, your running mate from the Spurs, and you've got Van Vliet, a young guy off the bench, and Lowry's got one or two more years of of hard ball before his body may may start to break down. You're set, man. You're set for the future. And the Raptors draft well. They're uh, they're uh, fiscally responsible. Look at their bench. And uh, this is something I want to get into briefly with you, Brock. The money allotted in the Raptors bench versus what have what the Warriors have spent is the difference in this series.
0: As in depth, you I mean?
1: Oh, totally. Yeah. You have a choice. You can either get three superstars and pay them all your money, or you could do what the Raptors are doing and get two superstars and allot the rest of your funds to a decent deep bench. So the Warriors can't withstand an injury because we're seeing what happens when some, one of their stars gets injured. Mm-hmm. The Raptors can. You know, Colin Cowherd talked about it, about the Raptors being 17-5 and five without Kawhi Leonard. That's because they've invested in depth. You know, the Raptors team without Kawhi Leonard is good enough to make the playoffs. Are they good enough to make it here? No chance in hell. But they've invested their money wisely in depth. And we're seeing Toronto's depth right now. Ibaka had a good game one time. Van Vliet had a good game. If Danny Green isn't isn't shooting well, they're bringing Siakam, who's shooting well. Like, there's so many options. uh, Gasol, I mean, really. Powell... Powell may be responsible for beating the Bucks. Like he had an incredible series against Milwaukee. So, uh, you know, here's my take. I'm going to put a uh, sort of an exclamation mark on this for my for this topic. Anyways, I think the Raptors win tonight. I think it's close. I don't think it's going to be a 13 point win, but I think the Raptors win by five tonight. <laughs> and. uh I think Kawhi has a good game. I think the Raptors just play hard. Their defense is what's gotten them here. So I'm hoping that uh, their defensive intensity comes out. I hope the, the stage isn't too big. It can't be too big. They've got too many veterans for the stage to be too big.
0: Mm-hmm. And it's, I mean, we're in the finals now. This isn't the first series, you're right? Like it's, they're used to it. I mean, they should be used to it. Like, fairly recently, the fact that you go down 2 0 to the Bucks, like, you, you, you come back, you, you're faced with adversity. The crowd is there. I mean, ooh, which reminds me, you gotta I got to buy a 50 50 ticket tonight. Oh, yes, guy. That'll be over half Oh, you live dollars, in Ontario. I can't. I'm a Quebec resident. Well, whatever. You can eat, transfer me. We'll buy a whole bunch of them. Imagine that. Okay. Anyway, those things, like. No, the if Raptors, you're, if are you're there. listening,
1: Ottawa, lo- Ontario lottery. Uh, right. It's uh, a gift. Brock's not buying me
0: a ticket. Uh, It'll be a gift. <laughs> uh, no, I'm curious. I got to see how the uh, uh, the defense. Reacts to Durant, and I think a lot of it's going to be game time decisions. Uh, but if they the, the the Raptors have been so good at the secondary help to a point of attack that if they can keep doing that, they will take Durant's ability away. I still think he looks pretty good in warm up. He looks good in warm up. I still don't think. That is at the level he needs to be, and he's going to mentally want to do some things that his body won't be able to do. Oh, no doubt. But I think with the help that comes over, it's a matter of will Durant be able to dish to Steph or Clay? and will they make us pay for it? And I, so I want to see the Raptors take away that primary threat. All you need to do is have a guy in front of those two other guys' faces and then make, you know, uh, three or four beat us. And hopefully that's like Draymond Green, who's garbage. That's uh, Cousins. That's uh, whatever. You know what I mean? I- Iguodala is going to play on th- off the bench, and
1: uh, so Looney, is Livingston. I'm assuming he's playing tight. Looney's again. back in the lineup. So they, by him coming in, they, they, they improve their depth, but their depth on off the bench is still old. Like they're relying on Sean Livingston, Iguodala, and Bogut as their re- reserves. And uh, Looney's really the only young guy. Quinn Cook, I, you know – I've been reading a lot about Quinn Cook and how you know he had a great game in Game Two and that he could be an X factor. Listen, Quinn Cook is a, is nothing more than a guy who can come off and make some threes if you leave, leave him open. He doesn't go to the hoop very well. He is he's small, doesn't defend very well. Listen, he came on, he had a couple of threes. Congratulations to Quinn Cook. He's got his moment in the sun. Exactly. But by no means is he is he a starter. He's certainly not a superstar, so everyone needs to chill out on the Quinn Cook uh, fucking All Star. Okay, he's not. Speaking of All Star, sorry, I'm gonna stop right here. We've got ourselves an All Star in the house right now, friends. We've got <laughs> Brock's brother Curtis is in the house, All Star fan, a supporter of the <laughs> of the uh, of the show, and we're all cheersing right now.
0: We're all cheersing right now. We're
1: going to get a little liquor in us, okay, friends? Um, we're
0: going we're gonna to set Curtis up with a mic. We yep. can ask him a few questions when we come back. All right, Ottawa, summer's here, and the sun is out, and the weather is beautiful, and you are ready to cruise the town. But is your car ready? Do what Pep and I do and get your car truck cruise ready by taking the Specialized Auto Image for a full auto detailing. There's nothing better than when I get my truck back with that new car feeling. Call today, book your appointment, so you can ride in style. 613-596-9009. Don't forget to mention the unsportsmanlike convo and get yourself 15% off. That's a special rate for the Raptors playoff game. All right, we are back. And uh, the first thing we'll do is correct the fact that uh, we will not... Be having my brother on this episode. He doesn't feel like he's ready for it. He's not prepared. I think he's more than ready. Kid's th- born ready for <laughs> fuck's sakes. I think. I think he's just waiting. He's only on his first drink. <laughs> that's right. Well, by yeah, time we get the third the one, he's going to be calling Nick Nurse and telling him what to play. Maybe by halftime,
1: room. he'll be ready. He'll be lit up. Nice to a
0: couple of Ryan cokes and uh, by yeah.
1: Half-time we'll, get, we'll...
0: we'll get a halftime. Uh, okay. A little rut in there. Hey. Uh, Nick Nurse does his post-interviews with a Nike hat that has NN. Is that a Nick Nurse hat? It sure is. Really? Yep. All right. Most players, if they want, can
1: brand themselves. The NBA is one of the only leagues that's uh, fairly easy to brand yourself. It's not like the NFL. I think Tom Brady had to had – to, uh, well, Tom Brady is Tom Brady, so he could do whatever the fuck he wants in the NFL. Well, apparently,
0: he's uh, trademarking Terrific Tom or Tom Terrific. Oh, lovely. There's a big huge he thing. Because needs on that. more money. Well, because somebody else has that nickname. I'm not prepared for that comment right now.
1: But yeah, let's not go there. Anyway. Okay, oh, so you Nick know what's, Nurse is before we get into Nick sorry man, before we get into Nick Nurse, I wanna give a shout out to the Boston Red Sox. They're flying Big Poppy David Ortiz home. They're flipping his bill and they're they're um, gonna give him the best medical attention. So if you haven't heard, Big Poppy was shot in the Dominican Republic in an attempted assassination, apparently, is what the uh, police are reporting in the Dominican. Really? Um, the bullet went through his stomach, and it's damaged his liver. He's in serious condition, but stable. Stable enough to fly him from the Dominican over to Boston. Uh, so I want to shout out the Boston Red Sox organization for essentially taking over. Like, they're flying him back. And uh, they're gonna give him. They're gonna pay all his medical bills. I think no questions asked. They they, they haven't even done a an investigation in term. an internal investigation as to what's yeah. happened. But it's big fucking poppy, like you know. Yeah.
0: Well, and you know that's all that that you just told me was news. I thought he was shot in the leg. I thought it was a robbery. So did I. Yeah. And um, I thought he was in stable condition. Like he was already like going to make a full recovery. So That's great.
1: He must be stable enough to fly, but he's in yep. critical condition. It's um, it's a situation where his kidneys have been damaged. Oh, sorry, his liver has been damaged. The bullet went through his back and, and through his abdomen. So it's it's it's, I get, it's clearly it's caused enough damage for him to, to need immediate attention that the Dominican can't provide for him. So the Boston stepped up and uh, flown him back. Um,
0: what do you do, like when you're Big Pappy and you're like one of the biggest? celebrities that come out of Dominican, successful athletes, you know, you decide to still return and reside there and bring money into that economy to yep. a certain degree. Um Do you say, fuck it, I'm moving, like, sell the house, I'm moving to, I'll just live in Boston. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't know what you do. Like, it's, he's at a disco,
1: he's probably just having a good time. Um uh, Disco would be there as equivalent to, like, our pub life here. Minor zone biz. You know, somebody had an agenda, clearly. I'm looking forward to hearing the backstory of that. But uh, right now, the only concern is his well-being. He was such a good ambassador for the game. Fuck, I loved him when he was with the Twins. And uh, when the Twins basically let him go for nothing and Boston picked him up, I got to tell you that it's got to be one of the the biggest steals in pro sports history. Mm. You know, he went on to be a legend in Boston. And uh, the outpouring of support, like A-Rod and Derek Jeter... Guys, who he fought against, are uh, rooting for his uh, his uh, full recovery, and, and we here at uh, unsportsmanlike convo are sh- surely doing the same. And I know Curtis is smiling. Curtis is probably looking up right now on his phone, the story, um, because that's just the kind of guy Curtis is. He gives a shit. <laughs> All right, not everybody gives a shit. Curtis gives a shit.
0: Curtis gives a shit.
1: Curtis gives a shit. <laughs> the Flemings give a shit, and I'm an honorary Fleming. Is that Brock said that earlier? That's right. Um, I pretty think cool. uh, it's yeah. pretty cool. I've always wanted to be white. <laughs> <laughs> and if I'm going to be white, I'm going to be a Fleming. <laughs> you guys are absolutely honorary. My mom talks about you guys all the time. My mom talks about you guys like you're her children. Uh, half the time, it's, I, don't, I see my mom once a week, okay? And it's brief. And, hey, mom, hi, how are you? Love you. How's life? And how's the kids? And my mom's a grandma. And the first thing she asks is, oh, how's Curtis and Brock? Mm-hmm. Where's Curtis and Brock? What about your son, Pierre? <laughs>
0: <laughs> anyway, we're, we're, we're off track, Way Brock. off track. Sorry, buddy. Uh, our thoughts and prayers are with uh, Big Pappy and his family. Absolutely. I, uh, you know, shout out for the Red Sox for a class organization to, uh, to take care of one of their own uh, well past their responsibilities.
1: Uh, you know, Br- you, Brock, you nailed that, man. Well past the, – they, they don't owe him anything. He doesn't owe them anything, certainly. But the fact that they're going out above and beyond to bring him back home, I mean – you know The Red Sox are a multi-billion dollar organization, but still, just the uh, the fact that they're taking the time to do that for an
0: alumni says a lot on the franchise. So, um,
1: yeah, kudos to
0: them. Okay, so you wanted to talk Kawhi Leonard, chances of staying um, or leaving after this. That's obviously the, the, the hottest topic in terms of the Raptors. Sure. That is on par with the fact that they're on the verge of winning an, uh, an NBA championship, it's what's going to happen with Kawhi? Yeah. Where is he going? What's he doing? He's recently addressed the uh, the uh, rumor that he has bought a house in Toronto right? Uh, by saying that has not happened yet. Yet. And they were very, the media obviously went all over the yet part. Um, why would he buy a house in Toronto? Good question, considering, you know, he's been offered penthouses for free he's been offered uh land somewhere as well uh you know regardless everybody in toronto and in canada is is basically trying to grab at straws of any sort of piece of information that would indicate that he is likely to come back because he has not made any indication either way and um yeah, so what are your feelings on that? What do you think he's doing? Well, listen,
1: it's a smart business move, okay? He's not going to he's a he's a good poker player. He's not going to give away all his cards, but he did slip. He's been exceptional with the media in terms of keeping his long-term plans secret. The fact that he uh, you know, he said I haven't bought a house yet is a very, very telling statement for a guy who's very calculated in his responses. So, you know, I can give you a thousand reasons for him to stay in Toronto, but I'm looking at the scenarios by which he leaves. So let's look at scenario one, which is L.A., which he's from California. There's two teams in L.A., as we know, the Clippers and the Lakers. So if he goes to the Lakers, what's he coming into? He's coming into a situation where the the front office is in turmoil. Magic Johnson just bailed, and upon his his leaving, accused the, the franchise of collusion against him. And really have no leader. They, they've just hired a, a coaching staff that's extremely pecu- peculiar in terms of the way it's set up. So Frank Vogel's a very defensive-minded coach, and then they hire Jason Kidd, who has really no connection to Frank Vogel. In fact, they were, um, <clears throat> they were against each other when Kidd was a head coach in Milwaukee and Vogel was a head coach in Indiana. They were bitter enemies, and they, they were at each other in the media. Their, hiring were to, their hirings were two separate moves that the Lakers made without really any consult to either coach. So what the fuck is Kawhi going to do? He's going to come into a situation where he's got an offensive-minded assistant coach and he's got a defensive-minded head coach who's really a scapegoat and the fall guy if this goes haywire. And then he's got a superstar who's alienated all the young kids at the trade deadline by trying to trade them all for Anthony Davis. Mm. So are the Lakers a viable situation for Kawhi? I don't think so. I mean, he can go over there, play one or two more years with LeBron James, whose body's starting to break down and have really no help. The only chance Kawhi goes to the Lakers is if they pull off an Anthony Davis trade in the next two weeks, which is
0: all very possible. So um, you, want, you want to say When you talk that? about the coaching staff at L.A., though, how many coaching staffs do you think came into play when people decided to go play with LeBron? You know what I mean? Like, the coaching staff is almost secondary. Oh, it's, no doubt. Lebron, LeBron wants you to play there, and you're going to play LeBron's style of basketball, Tyrone Lue, you know, Walton, like, those guys, I mean, other than, I guess, Riley was his coach for a little bit. Pat Riley?
1: Uh, Spolstra. In, uh, In Miami? So, uh,
0: Riley was Oh, He was he the was GM? GM, yeah. All right. Um, then, yeah, okay, I, I wouldn't even recognize that guy's name. I'd have been like, who's that? So I don't think the coaching is that big of a deal in terms of a team that LeBron is on. Um, But that being said, there is another team in L.A., and there's a lot more structure. Structure, And they're really, I mean, Kawhi would make a huge difference with the Clippers. The Clippers beat the Warriors. The Clippers
1: got two games on the Warriors in the first round of the playoffs with really, can you name me a player on the Clippers? No, since uh, Griffin left? Nobody. They don't, they don't have a superstar. They have pa- Patrick Beverly, who's a bit of an agitator. Uh, Paul? Dana- Chris Paul? No. No, he's no, with the Rockets. Rockets. Danilo Guilinari is their second leading scorer. Uh, Danilo Guilinari is the, the famous guy who was traded from the Knicks uh, to the uh, Never Nuggets for Carmelo Anthony. He's injury prone. And uh, they've just got a bunch of scrubs who work hard for Doc Rivers. And they have a good owner who supports the team, and some would consider them up and coming. I don't see it. They're, they're a little bit older. I don't see the Clippers at all being an option for Kawhi Leonard. And if he goes to the Clip, you know, it's solely because he's a hometown boy. It's not going to be because they're better than the Raptors. So it'll be interesting to see what he decides based on loyalty, because if he goes to the Clippers or the Lakers, it's solely because it's Cali, baby. The mm-hmm. Lakers don't provide any long-term viability for them they really don't and I'm concerned about the Lakers franchise as a fan of the Lakers I don't know where they're going if they get Kawhi it flips the west upside down but LeBron James when you talk about the coaching staff so you talk about players that wanted to come and play was it coaching staff or was it LeBron like LeBron James in his prime could draw players but he's no longer in his prime he's on the downside of his career and coaching staff means something on that team now he, LeBron James was one of the worst defenders in the NBA last year. His plus minus was one of the worst in the NBA. As a superstar, that's embarrassing. And he was a poor example to the young guys. Uh, was he a leader? I think as, a, as an advocate for the NBA, as an advocate for the, for the movement that co- Colin Kaepernick started,
0: I think he's a great ambassador to the game. As a player, he's really lost a step. So isn't it a good thing then if the head coach is coming in? He's a defensive coach. It's it's he's a defensive coach with no name. He's uh, you know, he's Frank fucking
1: Vogel, man. Well, he, you know, like uh, I'm with you there. I'm totally with you on the like uh, as a defensive player. Now, uh, is he gonna as a defensive coach? Sorry, is he gonna
0: implement some defensive systems? Absolutely. I mean, Kawhi is a defensive guy, right? Too like he plays great defense. So it, having a LeBron can score. When he wants to score, yeah, Kawhi can score when he wants to score. Yep, playing defense and having that structure on the defensive side is really apparent of how important that is. By watching how the Raptors have been doing this, so from a from a a fan standpoint, who's an occasional fan, where you like these games are a hundred to hundred and one, you know the the concept of defense. It's kind of lost in, from on a lot of people. But the one thing that, and that's uh, I'm guilty of that too, the Raptors' run this season and how they've been playing against Golden State has been a defensive clinic. Oh, I've, absolutely. I've learned more in terms of basketball defense watching this and the importance of it than I have the, my first 40 years on this earth. Uh, let me tell you something about their defensive strategy. It's super unconventional.
1: Never, ever in the NBA have I ever seen guys... I, uh, oh, I've got a friend of mine who's just given me a kiss in the back of the head.
0: Curtis, Thanks, step Nerissa. away, please.
1: Thank you for that. Never in the NBA have I ever seen, in my 30 years of watching the NBA, have I ever seen a player on defense actually get behind a player and force them to drive to the basket. So the way they're playing Curry is they're actually... <laughs> I've never seen this. They're actually playing behind him and f- forcing him to drive to the basket with an open lane, and then the help is coming. Hopefully, it's coming on time. So I've never seen that strategy implemented in my life. It's, it, I, w- I would never coach it. I would never teach it. So what we're seeing in the NBA. I love w- it. Oh, the, it's,
0: I love the ingenuity yes. and the, the imagination around to say, hey, this guy does this well, which is shoot from Wherever. any place on the court. He's very good driving the ball, too, but he lacks that. So let's take away all their strength. So, you know, it's nice from a football coaching standpoint where you're trying to coordinate an offense to say, hey, I want to take my best player and put them up against their worst player. So you got to strategically figure out how to do that, take their strength away, and that's exactly what they're doing. So I love the creativity. I love, you know, the fact that they're throwing things at them, and that's why they're doing so well is they're throwing things that, you know, I'm sure Steph has never had that before. So if you can creatively throw some defenses and different looks at them, that's a possession or two where they're not going to be able to score. And you say, okay, we capitalize on it. That's four points. Now maybe they do it again later on, you know, and those points add up. So
1: bringing it back to why we think Kawhi Leonard's going to stay, or well, why I think he's going to stay anyways, is kind of what you're bringing up, is the what better situation than the Toronto Raptors. you got a coach who's not who's not afraid to make defensive adjustments, uh, who's not afraid to change the offense in-game, depending on the flow of the game. We've seen the Raptors change their style with
0: this roster in-game. Yeah. You know? uh, so let's go big. Well, we, the on-the-fly is great. Oh, their adjustments are fantastic. Uh, Nick Nurse is
1: showing me that he's a top-flight coach. And I'll be honest with you, when the, when the season started, yep. I thought Nick Nurse was going to be just a slight upgrade to Dwayne Casey. Uh, offensively, he was going to improve the team. But defensively, I didn't know what to expect. And he has shown me otherwise. And let me tell you something about Adrian Griffin, their assistant coach. Adrian Griffin is going to be one hell of a head coach in the NBA when his time comes. And I certainly hope, NBA, if you're listening, you don't treat him like Patrick Ewing. He deserves a shot at an NBA head coaching spot if uh, one comes available. You heard it here first. Uh, Adrian Griffin, folks, he's a fantastic coach. Uh, I'm so glad that he's with the Raptors. What he's doing on, with their team on defense, Adrian Griffin, I'm not sure if you remember him, he was with the, the Mavericks when uh, Steve Nash was in his heyday with Nowitzki. Okay. He was a role player on the on the Mavericks. Really nothing more than a role player, defensive guy. Um, but what he's done with their defense, he's in, he's essentially
0: responsible for their defense. So, uh, oh, hey, Kudos to him then. Oh, and no, oftentimes okay. what you're going to see is guys who are role players end up being the best coaches. Yeah.
1: Absolutely. And Adrian Griffin, they interview him usually at halftime. Um, you know how they, uh, they'll interview They'll pick a coach and sort of give him a quick yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, Adrian Griffin's the guy that they usually interview, and he's so well-spoken. He's so into the game, and uh, he's done an, an amazing job. So Kawhi Leonard, what better situation than the, than the Raptors? Where else are you going to go? You're going to go to a, a Knicks team that has zero, that has nobody, and the only chance in hell the Knicks have is if they get Co- uh, Kyrie Len- uh, Irving or – Kevin Durant. That's the only chance the Knicks have. You're going to go to LA Lakers. Front office is a mess. They're about to trade everybody for Anthony Davis. And Brock, you mentioned a good point about LeBron James. And I want to touch, I want to just sort of put a stamp on this and and be done with LeBron James because I have a LeBron James jersey and I'm a fan of his as a player. But what he's done, he handpicked all those players last year. He handpicked Ray John Rondo. He handpicked. JaVale McGee, he fucking hand-picked Lance Stevenson. He chose all those guys. And Rob Polinka and Magic Johnson said, you know what, we're going to give you whatever the hell you want, and look what happened. The chemistry was shit. Those guys are dinosaurs. So why would Kawhi Leonard go to a team where LeBron James has to pick, hand-pick the entire roster? And he's about to do it again. They're going to trade, the trade the farm for Anthony Davis. They're going to trade everybody, including their fourth pick overall.
0: Well, that's uh, something that we can discuss at another time. Uh, I am seeing the monitors behind us here, and we are getting very close to the player introductions and national anthems for Game Five and Hawaii staying in Toronto. I started to, <laughs> to, to to stop listening to you because I'm so getting I'm pumped up for this. Yeah. So I oh. got to see this. Okay, uh, okay. hopefully. Uh, your other Laker buddy there, Snoop Dogg, is right. He had a quote when he was asked about Kawhi Leonard and stuff on the uh, at the game four, and he said, if I'm Snoop Dogg, I'm a Laker fan, I want Kawhi to get with LeBron, come to L.A., let's get this thing done. He's like, if I'm giving advice to Kawhi, not as Snoop Dogg, not as an L.A. fan, I'm telling you, you, you should stay in Toronto. you got a great situation there. You're, you're leaving your mark. You have an opportunity to do really, really good things. You should be staying in Toronto. Yes. So... Uh, I respect Snoop for that opinion, and uh, I hope Kawhi takes it to heart. That being said, we'll be back at halftime, and we'll see how this game goes. Let's go Raps. Woo! All right. We are back, and it is now halftime, game five, Raptors-Warriors. What's the score right now? Sixty-two to fifty-six for the uh, Warriors. Raps are down six, but some major happenings in that first half. One being Durant playing, and really shooting very well. Oh my God! He he came out started.
1: Came out the gate shooting two threes, nailing them, and uh, being a threat on the floor and opening it up for the rest of the uh, Golden State Warriors. So. But Brock, I gotta tell you, this uh, is—I don't know about you, but I'm not surprised at all that the uh, that he re-injured his calf, and you were mentioning—I'll let you handle that uh, this particular portion—but you had mentioned that there was some pressure on him to come back.
0: Yeah. So, uh, you know, the the rumor is that there's there was a lot of um, talk within the locker room, within the team, uh, rumblings, I guess, as to. Uh, his injury and uh, his ability to come back, his willingness to come back, uh, what uh, what he was willing to do to help the team and whether or not he was bigger than the team, this and that. Anyway, uh, he came back tonight, and what happens? They say he re-injured his calf. Uh, I've injured my Achilles before, and that's where you grab when you injure your Achilles. If it's an Achilles, which I'm going through Twitter, and uh, multiple athletes that I follow have all commented saying calf my ass, that's an Achilles. That's an Achilles. you grabbed his foot. So if it's an Achilles, Jesus. that is a much worse injury. I, I'm no physiotherapist. I'm no doctor. Uh, but I've had calf and I've had Achilles, and the Achilles is the Achilles is the main part of the body that makes you an athlete
1: oh no doubt i've torn my left achilles i have a i had a slight tear in my left achilles it ruined my career My ruined my football and basketball career to the point where i it caused me hamstring injuries it caused some weakness in my left glute which caused a disc impingement so i mean it is a trickle-down effect so if it is he grabbed his foot I, i don't know if you saw that but when he went down he grabbed his foot Right, his uh, foot and the back of his heel. Yeah, you sort of grab, like when you're hurt, you sort of draw attention to the initial part that uh, that you're feeling the pain in. I know when I've, like, I don't know, I'm not sure if you've ever experienced an injury like that, but I I dislocated my shoulder once, and my first inclination was to grab my shoulder. Like the right. first instinct is human nature, right? You, like, go to
0: the, you go to the pain source. Yeah,
1: you're not you're not wired to be a poker player when you're in agony. So I hope for Durant's sake it's not his Achilles, but this isn't a surprise. I was shocked that he was com- uh, he was able to come back this quickly. I was shocked that they announced that he was starting. I mean, he you could have made him available to play, but not put him on the floor. The fact that they started him suggests that, like what you said, some of his teammates were perhaps quoting his dedication to the team he had he hadn't been around when they traveled to Toronto initially he wasn't on the bench and uh I think when they were back in uh Oakland he was really nowhere to be found did you show in did they show any any side cuts with the camera of Durant on the bench at all did you see anything like that I don't recall that I don't recall it either so
0: so anyway that's (laughs) that's a huge factor right now if that's actually why, and he was pressured into playing and he got hurt, it's extremely unfortunate. Um, uh, Cabby, we all know Cabby, Cabby Richards. Yes, from the
1: uh, Toronto Raptors.
0: Well, yeah, Sportsnet and TSNs, yeah. all that stuff. Yeah. Uh, tweeted out, the most Canadian thing ever. Kevin Durant injures his Achilles. He points that out. Crowd cheers loudly. As he hobbles off the court, the crowd apologizes by cheering and support as he's helped to the locker room. Then a KD chant as he exits the court. Mean for two seconds and immediately apologizes. There was, uh, you know, some initial cheers when Kevin Durant went down. And in defense of the fans, he didn't scream in pain or do anything. It could have, like, initially people thought, oh, he just lost his shoe. There's a couple people that thought that. So I think the, ch- the, the cheers were not immediately in terms of his injury, it was that he fell. They thought maybe his shoot came off. He turned the ball over. Like there's a lot of things there. So, no doubt. It wasn't um, it wasn't a, a malicious chant by any means. Um, so uh, anyway, in it's a knowledgeable that, fan base, yeah. right? We have a
1: we have a very knowledgeable fan base in Toronto when it comes to basketball. Then they uh, they understood the, I think they understood the severity of the situation, the fact that oh oh, he might be out for the rest of the series or they may be out for the rest of the game, whatever the case is, but um, I like the fact that they recognize early on, right away, that oh, we're maybe we're cheering. We should probably turn this into a positive,
0: right? And uh, Serge Ibaka and some of the other Raptors players, um, you know, were very quick to, uh, ex- you know, basically tell the the crowd to to pipe down, like yeah. he's actually hurt. Yeah, and, you know, let's show some respect. So kudos to the to those Raptors players for standing up. I mean, they all went over and you know, as competitive as they are. Um, you know, they showed their condolences. They were, you know, mindful of his injury and what he's going through and how that will affect his career. Yeah. Um, so, you know, again, regardless of the competitive nature, it's still a fraternity of basketball players. Absolutely. And that surpasses this, you know, uh, uh, competitive final. It's about each player and their, their well-being. So it was nice to see uh, that aspect of the game. And you see it a lot in the NFL.
1: You know, a guy goes down, and the other team, yeah. You know, whether it's during the game or after the game, uh, both teams will take a knee at the sort of the yep. midfield, I, and I, I uh, it really brings some solidarity. And I think that uh, any injury transcends the whole game, right? Like you're talking about a person's health overall, like whether it's basketball related or whether it's just like you know, a guy being able to walk, like if he tore his Achilles, he's going to have a hard time in the next six months. So, um, kudos to the Raptor fans for recognizing and adjusting and, uh, and showing some class. Cause that's what, that's what Canada is all about. You know, we're a classy country. Yeah. And, uh, I hope that Durant makes a speedy recovery. I thought it was foolish, really foolish for him to come back so soon. So, um, speedy recovery he's done he's done for the rest of the series whether for sure. golden state wins tonight or not i mean he's they got to go back to golden state and prepare for durant not to play because he's done
0: we got anyway i just hope that it doesn't affect him longer term than this for series sure. so yes uh up. from unsportsmanlike convo to kevin durant i know we, you're listening kevin uh you know you better be. best wishes and uh you know toronto loves you so if you want to come up here that's cool too
1: Rocky's the best player in the NBA, and I—that I, no slight to Kawhi Leonard, no slight to LeBron James, but when you get a guy 6'10", and you, we saw glimpses of him on one leg, right. hit two threes within, what, 30 seconds of the game? Oh, yeah. He's 6'10". You can't guard him. hes He's got a handle like a guard. He shoots like a guard, but he's 6'10". There's no other player in the NBA like him, and um, he's the best player in the NBA, so I wish him a speedy recovery. It looks like... I'm watching the screen here on my left, and it looks like the second half's about to begin. So. Okay, so
0: who's your X factor, Pep? For
1: the for both teams, sure. Oh, X factor for the Raptors, it just it just has to be Lowry. I don't think he's shot the ball very much. He's uh, looking to distribute. If we get him shooting the ball and being aggressive, he'll be the X factor for the Raptors. And the Warriors, they're they're going to need they're going to need uh, Clay Thompson to step up with the uh, loss of Durant. Uh, that's really all they have. Curry's showing that he's a dominant player, so um Thompson it is all right second half is on the on the way here so let's go watch. okay good luck Raptors and uh, thanks again for listening. Well maybe we'll check in at the end of the game. Yeah I'm down okay
0: <laughs> and we're back and we're back <laughs> game five has come to an end. 106-105 yeah. for the Golden State Warriors uh, the Raps showed some resiliency a little bit at the end Kawhi went off for about 4 straight possessions and gave Toronto the lead by 6 with about three and a half, four minutes left Uh crowd was going nuts Pep over here was clearing space on the floor so that he could do a cartwheel <laughs> should the Raps hold on um that's what seven doubles does to you. Um but unfortunately I wasn't able to catch that on video, nor would the attempt because we failed we never to never got to that We never got to that point. Yeah. It's a somber it's a sombre ending right now to this uh this episode because uh I was really expecting to capture jubilation. Oh no doubt.
1: And you know, I think the uh when Durant went down it really opened the door for the Raptors to just regroup at halftime and they came out you know and like you said they were up by 6 with a minute and a half or 2 minutes left to go somewhere like that 3 minutes maybe
0: yeah about 3
1: up by 6 with another with the possession they miss a shot golden state comes down hits a 3 comes down hits another 3 they tie it and uh momentum swings the other way so but i'll give golden state credit for being resilient themselves and oh, uh yeah. you know they played Good defense. I didn't think the refs cost the game at all. I mean, there was a, there was some physicality, but it is what it is in the NBA. Uh, losing Durant, though, I don't. I just do not see the Raptors losing uh, two in a row. Well, it would have to be three in a row for the Warriors to win the championship. I just, I just do not see that happening. Losing Durant is huge. He's uh, he makes such a dif- difference on the floor. And uh, the Warriors are right back where they were for game one. They're right back where they were. They're going to have to figure out a way to beat the Raptors without Durant. I don't see that happening. So although it may be very disappointing right now, Brock, it's not doom and gloom. Whether they win it in Oakland or whether they come back and win it in game seven, I still think the Raptors come home with the championship. Um, don't be too disappointed, Raptor fans. It is what it is. You had to expect the Warriors come out and bring their best. They're the defending champs. This is their fifth championship in a row. What Do you think they were going to roll over, Brock?
0: No, you definitely know? not. And I think I mentioned it to you when Durant went down, not to say that the Raptors' intensity went down, but theres I was afraid of um, almost a sense of relief when he was out and saying, oh, this might be an easier game than we thought it was. Yeah and maybe, you know, lose a little bit of focus. I don't know if that's exactly what happened, but it the Raptors didn't seem crisp tonight by any means. No. Um, Too many two hours. As somebody pointed out earlier uh, before the fourth started or right when the fourth started, to say that the Raps were in the game when the Golden State were shooting, I think it was 46 from three-point land, um, and Kawhi Leonard only had 14 points at that time, to still be in the game is... It's amazing, really. Yeah, oh, no doubt. So, um I don't know if you noticed anything specifically as to where maybe they went wrong um or or what that was, but I'm really hoping that they can go on the road and you know there's a there's something to be said about the fans and that and the that energy that it gives you when you're at home, but it's also the distraction, the streets closing, the excitement that really takes over. And I think when you're on the road, you have maybe a little bit more of an opportunity to really approach it as a business um, mentality when you're going in there. You're going there for a reason um, and I hope my Sunday is free because I don't want to see this go to seven. Yeah,
1: man, uh, you know when you go on the road, you're, uh, when, you, uh, when you're at home, for example, and you miss a three-point shot and the crowd goes, oh, and there's the collective sigh in the building, it affects a player. You know, having played in a couple of big games myself and a couple of big crowds and missing a big shot and feeling that disappointment in the crowd, it actually affects you as a player. So, you know, while the home team can have a huge advantage, it, it can also play on your on your nerves as a home team. So, you know, everybody expected Toronto to win tonight. Durant or not Durant. Toronto was expected to win. All the prognosticators said to their Tonight's their night, but the crowd can be can add a lot of pressure. So I think that happened tonight. You could you could feel the pressure in their shot. Van Vliet brought them back. They hit Van Vliet had a couple of big threes. I think it was in the third quarter to bring them a lot closer, but. Uh, you could just feel the pressure, and now right now we're watching footage of Durant walk off. I think he's in a. Do you say he was in a walking boot and he's a cast? In, he's in a walking
0: boot and crutches.
1: So he's not coming back for this series. So really, they're going to have to regroup and refocus and regame plan exactly what they did for Game Four and come back in Oakland and play that exact same game. And whether they win or they lose, they're going to bring. They're going to come back to Toronto. Uh, they should have come back to Toronto confident, knowing that they're not going to have Durant to deal with. So. Yes, they lost tonight. Again, you had to expect the champs to bring their best effort. Um, I'm not overly surprised that they lost. I'm disappointed, but I'm not surprised. I know that we were joking through the whole game that we got them right where we want them, and, and we legit did. We're down by si- up by six with two minutes left, right? <laughs> right. I, I have this. I'm cursed. Okay, boys? I'm cursed. You're a jinx. Jinx, curse, whatever you want to call It, it seems like whatever I say, the opposite happens with any sport and it drives me fucking nuts and all I want to do is cheer all I want to do is be a fan of sport okay and I end up ruining people's lives because whatever I say is the, the opposite actually happens so um, tonight same thing boys I said yeah we got him right where we want them and you guys kept saying you guys kept rooting me on and saying yeah you're right Pep yeah you're right <laughs> and I said boys you gotta step in and fucking stop this nonsense but you didn't you just encouraged me Pretty and, pretty uh,
0: sure that's not how it went. That's exactly but, how it uh, went. <laughs> you did keep saying we had them right where we wanted them. Um, you said a lot of things tonight, actually. That yeah, probably well, you know, when honest. your bill's
1: eighty dollars. <laughs>
0: uh, all right, I think uh, we could probably wrap this Let's one wrap up. this but bad boy up. Yeah, yeah. I don't think we're all disappointed. I'm um, disappointed more so because it was a one-point loss and we had a shot to, to win at the end. You know, th- give the Golden State all the credit. They pressured Leonard. They doubled him. They said, you're not going to beat us. Give it to somebody else. You know, Lowry, time is running out. He didn't really have a chance to set, threw a ball up, whatever. But, um, you know, Golden State, they're champs for a reason. I, uh, as much as I talk about Durant having an effect when he was leaving for Toronto, I think he kind of had the opposite effect with Golden State. It felt like some of those guys, at least the way Steph was talking after the game, that they, they almost played the rest of the game for him. You know, like it, it seemed like it might have motivated them to say, yeah, "Look, we got galvanizing gotta, for sure. Yeah, we got to play for our, for our fallen brother." Yep. Um, but you know, next game is Thursday. Um, hopefully, Toronto comes back with it then. But play the game, play smart. Yep. Make your shots. And uh, do what you got to do. Over the last 20 years, the NBA's changed a lot. The actual game, physical game
1: itself has changed a lot. But really, the same principles apply. Don't turn the ball over. Shoot high percentage shots and rebound. Really, if you look at Golden State, they didn't shoot high percentage shots. They hit a bunch of low percentage shots. You know, off-balance threes and whatnot. That's fine. If you're going to lose... To a team shooting 70% from three,
0: then you just got to tip your hat to them and say, fuck fuck it, we'll get them next time. That's it. And on that note, fuck it, let's get them next time. Fuck it, we'll get them next time. Curtis? Shout out to the RA Center. Shout out to uh, Rachel. Rachel Alexander. We're going to give her a shout out for letting us shout out. That was really appreciated. To Cheryl,
1: who was serving us tonight and who uh, brought us our bills. (laughs) I want to thank Cheryl. Cheryl, we're going to need that debit machine soon.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right.
1: Appreciate it.
0: B-boy, That's it. You it's got been anything left? a pleasure, left? my man. That no, it's good, my man. It's, uh, it's late. We're disappointed. We had well, a fun time. Yes. And uh, we'll talk to everybody soon. Check us out next time, folks. Well, yeah, check out Apple, iTunes, iPod podcast (laughs) ipod (laughs) podcast yeah spotify (laughs) yeah all right it's time to go all right it's late
1: good night everybody we'll see you on thursday